from the Times of Northwest Indiana and nwy.com slash podcasts, you're listening to Byline. The podcast about the newspaper's most fascinating stories and the reporters who tell them. I'm Kale Wilk, and this week takes a look at war stories. We'll hear about an important anniversary. That changed the course of the world. I mean, that changed the course of the United States and the way it addressed the outside world. And the ripples being made by one high school teacher. It's, you know, it's people, there are, there are people all over the country, people all over the state that are now helping us and we help them. It's, it's become um, a quest to try and find as much information about all of this. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Unless it isn't already familiar, that's Franklin Delano Roosevelt speaking before a joint session of Congress on December 8, 1941, a day after Japan attacked U.S. naval forces stationed at Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. That changed the course of the world. I mean, that changed the course of the United States and the way it addressed the outside world. It changed it politically. It changed its its involvement into in the world. Uh, and, and I think it's a very significant turning point in our history. This is Joyce Russell, a reporter with The Times. She's been featured on the podcast before for Remember Your Roots, a blog she does for The Times about her interests in genealogy. Earlier this month, it was the 75th anniversary of the attack. Joyce, being the history buff that she is, worked on several stories with that theme. It was a, a, a different time. I mean, you talked... They were coming out of the Depression, and things were beginning to look better. And then this happened. And I think that's very similar to 9-11. Everybody was pretty satisfied going on our own way, and then these horrific acts happened. And we came together for a time as a country with one mind uh, that we're not invincible. And then how that brings us together and how we have to remember those feelings of, of being together and uniting as a country. It's true that Pearl Harbor and World War II profoundly affected the generations it touched, both abroad and at home. But speaking of generations, other than past ones, who's taking an interest in all of this? What about the younger ones? And it all kind of started with when I, uh, among the genealogical research I was doing, I found out that my great-great-grandfather had a... it, this is a uh, Colts, Hartsford, Connecticut, that made between 1871 to 1873, and I found This is Ryan Powers. He lives in St. John, and I stopped by at his house, where he showed me quite the interesting collection of old wartime artifacts. Right now he's studying machining at Ivy Tech in East Chicago, but is also a part of the Air Force and Coast Guard auxiliaries. He also has a military history in his family that dates back to the Civil War. I started, I started collecting military stuff, God, at a, around fifth grade, 
ish. Uh, so around middle school, I just, when I started collecting all of my military stuff, I started uh, as soon as my uh, I just started collecting the uh, the firearms history recently about this year. So it might be easily derived that Ryan enjoys studying history. Yeah, I mean, I've I've always been kind of like a military history nerd slash buff. I mean, I've always been into military type things. So, and I've always loved history too. But he's also in the middle of an interesting research project. One which involves helping an old friend. Well, originally I was in a middle school at, uh, at Clark Middle School. Uh, that's when um, I was in theater at, uh, I was part of the tech crew and uh, uh, Tom Clark had part of his uh, military collection on display there for Veterans Day, and that's uh, where I first met uh, uh, Mr. Clark. And then, uh, sometime after that, I said, "I'm gonna." Uh, uh, I told my parents about him. And I said, "I want to have him when I get into high school." So years and years later, um, I got to high school, and then uh, I told my counselor I, I wanted to have Tom Clark, and they were like, "Okay, okay, okay." So, and then they obviously just kind of like brush it off because everybody wants uh, Mr. Clark. So, who is Tom Clark? Don't do it. What? I just want a piece of paper. Give me a white piece of paper. What's wrong with you? You haven't seen the gag rule? In Congress, they were not allowed to talk about what? Slavery, because if they did talk about slavery, what would happen? Oh my, they go and start fighting with each other. What's the most infamous or famous? Preston Brooks. Preston Brooks, a southerner, beat the holy crap out of Charles Sumner, a northerner. A southerner beating a northerner, right? The Civil War broke out already. Well, it's this person. What you're hearing is Tom lecturing in front of students in his classroom at Lake Central High School in St. John. As can be heard, he's entertaining to listen to and incredibly informative. I know that she struggled with the heaviness that she was born into. That That is why my sister Lisa and I decided to include her ashes in her father's grave as a way to heal the past can't find the family. and bring a long-awaited closure to our family. At the time I visited this classroom, along with Joyce Russell, it was November 30th, almost a week until December 7th and the 75th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. When you stop into Tom Clark's classroom, it's really something else, kind of like a mini-museum. A lot of space is taken up by any artifact you can think of. Hats, medals, flags, I mean, you name it. What was of particular interest on this trip to Joyce were some artifacts related to Pearl Harbor. In part of his room, Tom has these cases that are like profiles of soldiers from past conflicts. They're photos, letters, medals, and more. In a handful of these, he has pieces of the USS Arizona. This is all Pearl Harbor stuff. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, there's more. There's more stuff. Um, I mean, this is off the Arizona. This, I, uh, I felt bad about having this. I found this on eBay. I found a bunch of stuff on eBay from the, the chief diver. And uh, I went out to Hawaii, and I talked to Mr. Martinez. Mm-hmm. Mr. Martinez said it was okay for me to have it. Because okay. there's a big controversy about that. Um, there were 25 pieces of silver that were put up for auction wow. on, the, on the Internet. Not with eBay, but with somebody else. And the family was um, the descendants of a 
a diver, and he had brought this stuff up. And there were a lot of things off the Arizona that were just dumped in the ocean. They were just dumped in the ocean. And he grabbed this stuff and saved it. And uh, so I was worried about having this. I've got a pot up there that's marked USS Arizona. I've got spoons. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And I found all this stuff on eBay. It was from a garage sale or something. So I told him, I said, I have this stuff. He says, it's great that you have it because he said you show it to people. You know, They're worried about the stuff just disappearing into you know, collections or something and never being seen by anybody. Well, tell me how you Tom is a veteran as well. Uh, we went to Germany. I was stationed in Germany from 70, 1976 to 1979 as a military policeman. Then when I came back, I used my GI Bill to go to college. And uh, I wanted to be a police officer really bad. And uh, though the more I got into the college scene and taking classes, I started thinking, wow, I'd li I really like... I'd like to be a history teacher. And, and then in 1982, I had no options, nothing going, and I thought, I'm going to go back in the military. So I signed for the military to go back in. I was going to go to OCS, Officer Candidate School. And five days before the, uh, I had to make the final signature and stuff like that to go, they called me from this school from Lake Central. I had done my student teaching here. And they asked if I wanted a job. And I wanted the job. I really wanted this job. I loved it. I, and I realized then that, that that was where I, I belonged in life, being a teacher. Aside from his beloved lectures and artifacts, there's another thing his students appreciate, a scavenger hunt of sorts. And it all started with one in particular back in the 1980s. He was a freshman at that time. His name was Doug DeVries. Around, eight, I think it was 86, 87, I had him in my class. And he said to me, he said, Mr. Clark, um, why is it that, or why, why don't we have anything honoring the two boys from the school that died, or honoring the boys from the school that died in Vietnam? And I told him, I said, Doug, I don't think anybody from the school died in Vietnam. Well, he was a journalist student here. He came in, he said, Mr. Clark, here's two names. And this was May. And he said, here's two names of two boys from the school that died. And I said, wow. So over the summer, I started doing some more research and I found two more. So we had, you know, the four. And then the next year was his senior year, and we started up a program of honoring those four. Well, we got a call from a, uh, a gentleman in Dyer named Tom Hoffman, and Tom said, uh, I think he was a police officer at that time, he said, you forgot a name. And uh, he told me that name, and I was like, wow. So we had these five. And so Doug and I put together uh, a volunteer team of students to research these five individuals. And then we were able to secure a piece of stone from the Vietnam War Memorial that was left over in D.C. And we had their names engraved in it on the stone. And we had a ceremony at the school. We had all five families here. And I watched this, and I was a relatively new teacher. And I thought, wow, this has got to be the most incredible thing I've ever seen. The next year, they came to me, the students, and said they wanted to do something like that, like that we had done the previous year. The beginning point would be with, we start with the Indiana Files. The boys from Indiana lost their lives, and we have their files. And over the years, it's been our, the goal. I told them, I said, you have a file. I give you a file. Now what you want to do is try and put more information in that file. Plus, our goal is to find the family. Find some member of the family. And if we can't find a member of the family, at least try and find a photograph of that individual so that we can say, this file is complete. We can see his picture. We can see information about him. We write to the government, and we get, we get documents from them. 
to put in these files. And finding information in a hands-on experience to immerse themselves into history. But now with the internet, it's opened up a whole new gamut for us. I mean, there's websites we can go into, we can contact people. That's what I like about doing the project. It's, it teaches them to, to research, to write letters. You know, and they, and, they, and they teach me a lot of things. Like they were, they go, well, we can find these people on Facebook. And I go, Facebook, come on, there's no way. And you know what, they do. They find the they find the boys' brothers and and sisters and stuff and siblings, you know uh, relatives on Facebook, um, but it's just trying to use all anything and everything that we can do. One of the great things about it is when the students they're going through the files and they find they find out how these boys really died. The families were not told in many cases. They were just told, "Oh, killed in action," and then we get a file where the the students are able to say, yeah, he saved three people's lives on the day he was killed. And boy, that to the families, that's, you know, I'll never bring that boy back. But it sure means like a lot more when they find out that their son didn't die in vain. He died saving three other guys. Yeah, my sister used to talk yeah. about him. I'm like, oh, I, want I him. wanted him. My first schedule didn't have him on it. And then, like, I came up to his class, and he didn't have a class teaching, and he asked me if I wanted to be in his class. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> This is Brianna and Brenna McCormick. They're sisters, and they're two of Tom's students. Tom's assignments can have the students looking up files of soldiers from various conflicts. But the McCormick sisters are looking up soldiers from the Vietnam War. Well, I had for my first file, it was um, Stephen Eugene Briner. He was walking like alongside one of the riverbanks, and he was trying to cross it, and he got pulled in with the current, and he drowned because his um, combats couldn't like save him and help him out. My guy's name was Douglas Wainer. And I've had a few files, but like some of them that I've had were missing in action. And I just recently had a file where there were photos that were put up on the site from 2012. And I just recently checked the file and the mom and the sister just put two brand new photos up on the site from 2016. So that like really helped. And like they have a museum in Portland, Indiana that I'm really hoping to go see because it's like three hours away. And like hopefully like, get pictures of it, maybe bring something back, but I don't know. It's just cool. The noticeable thing about some of these students is how attached they can get to these files. As an example, Brenna's soldier she's researching doesn't have his name on the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Indianapolis, which, you might have guessed, Tom Clark's students had a hand in helping to create. So, it's her goal to do it. I was looking through the box that Clark has for all the photos of the men missing in action, and I was like, oh, I wonder if my guy's in this box, and I looked, and his picture wasn't in there. So they have him up on the website with his photo up there, but for the wall in Indy, they don't have his name written on there, so I just recently wrote a letter to Mike Pence, or the newly elected governor, and I'm going to try to see if I can get his name written on the wall with his combats. I know it's going to cost $800 to get his name written on the wall, but I'm hoping it doesn't take too long, because my dad so we can go down and see it. The two also said this experience is unlike something they've done before, and better than simply reading a book or studying notes. Yeah, um, I was well. I was reading through one of the emails that the person before me recently like sent out last year, and I remember her saying she was so happy like that we're researching it and trying to find out more information on the soldiers because like they can't talk to anybody. They don't have a lot of people to talk to about it, so they like just like talking about like the experience they had with like their family member, and they, they love that we're like, doing the project to find more information. 
I feel like when you find all the information out, like sometimes like you like read the letters, it really helps you like feel like you're back in that time, and it kind of just helps you like imagine it better. Yeah. It's probably any teacher's desire to make students care about the material they're lecturing about. Tom Clark seems to have figured out a way to do that, at least in regards to history. But it even goes beyond that, in which there's real people the students get to contact. And for most of the time, it seems to help. Not only the families, but also the students, who seem to be a little changed by the end of it all. It's, you know, it's people, there are, there are people all over the country, people all over the state that are now helping us and we help them. It's, it's become um, a quest to try and find as much information about all of this. I've talked to a lot of my former students that I had over 30 years ago, or ones that worked on this, and uh, I get emails from them, and they said this is something that they've kept with them all their lives. And they they felt so proud that they were part of it. And that's what I like about this stuff. I like, I'm not like the normal collector. A lot of guys that I know are collectors, they put this stuff away and nobody sees it. I like letting people see it. You know, that's my, my goal. What Tom likes to emphasize is the humanness discovered by immersing yourself into a project like this. The assignment becomes a story, kind of like what we do at the Times, taking a topic and finding the narrative within, finding and documenting the human condition and seeing just how similar we all might be. I'm probably a little different history teacher than your normal history teacher. Uh, I see history as, as a story. So what I want to do, I mean, the textbooks, the textbooks are, I mean, they talk about Vietnam, 58,142 died. So they just put a number on it. There's no face to it. There's no, there's no empathy. There's no, you know, there's no feeling. There's no emotion there. It's just there. It's a black and white fact, you know. This way they see the picture. They see the, they, they see the families. They see that just not one individual was touched by the war, but a whole family was. And then eventually they start to see that a, a whole nation was touched by this, this horrible war. You can talk to many of Tom Clark's students, current and former, and they'd probably tell you how great of an educator he is. Well, it shows. His impact on them, in turn, makes them have an impact on their world. The knowledge seekers, looking to find the information and preserve memories. Kind of like Ryan. Even though it's been two years since he graduated from Lake Central High School, he still does work with and for Tom Clark, as well as his own. I mean, I mean, I just love the history. I love reading about what these guys did and what they did for the United States during their service. So I prefer, I, I kind of like to kind of keep that memory alive by preserving as much of this stuff as I can. I ask that the Congress declare that since the unprovoked and dastardly attack by Japan on Sunday, December 7, 1941, a state of war has existed between the United States and the Japanese Empire. Byline is a production of the Times of Northwest Indiana. 
Episodes come out every two weeks, and you can find any of them at nwy.com slash podcasts. Byline is also on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can just type in NWY Byline in the search bar, and we should pop up. If you've got a media player and want to download our episodes or listen on the go, Byline is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. We just kindly ask that you rate us and leave a review because it actually really helps. And we'd like to hear from you, whether that's constructive comments, feedback, or suggestions for topics you'd like to hear more about. You can just drop us an email at nwibyline at gmail.com. Reporting for this week's episode came from Joyce Russell, as well as myself, Kale Wilk. Several thanks go out to Tom Clark, as well as his students, both current and former, for taking the time to speak with me for this episode. If you'd like to find more information about Tom Clark, there's a website that one of his students put together a while back, and it's ushistoryman.com. There you can find plenty of articles and videos and much more about the amazing work that he and his students do. Finally, as always, a big thanks to Summer Moore, the Times Digital and Audience Engagement Editor, who is the creator of the show. She is the captain that guides this ship through unknown waters safely each and every time. I'm K.O. Wilk, and from the Times of North Ossiniana, thank you for listening. See you next time.